Well, while we were away enjoying a lot of seafood and getting a little R&R, heard the story of, um, of three men who were sharing a trip. And um, as a, the trip was kind of long in the past the time, they got to know each other. One was a, a judge and one was an architect. One was a surgeon. And uh, they talked, and as the trip progressed, eventually it got around to, to trying to decide which of their professions had been around the longest and the, uh, the surgeon, remembering his days in Sunday school, said, well, if you remember in the book of Genesis that God, after he had created Adam and Eve, he took Adam and he put him asleep and he took a real bat and he fashioned Eve. So he said, that, that's surgery. So obviously, surgery has been around longer than in any of the other professions here. And the architect said, oh, whoa, 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 said, uh, if, you, if you go back a chapter or so in Genesis... He said, you're going to see how that, that God, before he create, ever created Adam, he created everything you see. And uh, that the, the scripture says that he created it, it out of, from, from nothing, from chaos. It was without form, boy, it's just chaos. And he created that. So he said, that, that, that's designing and creating. That had to be architecture. So obviously, the older of the, of the professions that we're talking about is architecture. And the judge just sat over there smiling and finally, the judge looked over and said, who do you think created all the chaos? <laughs> Last. <laughs> I've got some good friends that are judges, and they laugh too. Last uh, Thursday, June 26th, five judges ignoring the U.S. Constitution and ignoring the rule of law and drawing upon their own prejudice reasoning, in my opinion, caused a lot of chaos in our country with their ruling. Peter Marshall, and I, I love Peter Marshall. Peter Marshall, when I was just a teenager, someone gave me a book of sermons by Peter Marshall. Peter Marshall was born in Scotland, came to the United States, ended up going to a seminary in Atlanta, and then at an early age was pastor in Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C., where he preached to, to presidents and to Congress people. And then at an early age, he was, uh, he was uh, appointed as chaplain of the United States Senate. And in the days following World War II, uh, matter of fact, uh, January of 1947, uh, Peter Marshall said these words in the U.S. Senate. The choice before us is plain. Christ or chaos? Conviction or compromise? Discipline or disintegration? He continued and said, I'm rather tired of hearing about our rights. The time has come to hear about responsibilities. He said, America's future, this was in 1947, sounds very prophetic to me. He says, America's future depends upon her accepting and demonstrating God's government. thought it was very appropriate that Peter Marshall would say, Christ or chaos? A lot of chaos ensued after the ruling. But something is clear to me, and I remember... Uh, I, I knew, you know, everyone talked about, and I knew the ruling was probably going to come down sometime in, in, in June to the end of June. 
uh, when we left on vacation, I'm thinking it's going to be after we get back from vacation. Uh, didn't know, I should have known that most, a lot of decisions are passed down on a Friday afternoon at five o'clock. Okay. Um, so I was a little bit surprised in last Thursday on the 26th to hear the ruling and, and probably like a lot of people, I was, um, I was, I was disappointed. I was uh, a little bit surprised, but not, I, I was, you know, I was always hopeful, but with the, with the makeup of the court, with the, with the two judges that had performed same-sex weddings, failing to recuse himself, saying that they could be objective in the ruling, which begs to, uh, um, daddy would say, it don't take a lot of common sense to figure that out, son. But, um, but with, the, with the makeup of, of the court and with a lot of things that were coming down, you know, I still thought there was a, there was a chance that maybe they would, they would look at the Constitution and look at law and go on precedence, and they threw that out. But... I remember my first comment when we heard the news. We were set out on the balcony, and Tony, Tony had his phone, and he, uh, our son-in-law, and he said, uh, really? And I said, no, they, they can't have already handed it down. He said, yeah, the Drudge Report's got it. They got it ahead of time. And I remember my first comment was, maybe the Lord can use this to wake up, as a wake-up call to the church, and as a wake-up call to Christians, that, that, uh, that we're, 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 the times are... Are really you know further along than we think, and 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 in seeing that, I, I see that as a call, of, as more evidence that the times that we're living in are critical times. They're uh, they're important times. They're times of opportunity for the church to be light and be salt. And I believe that there are also indications that we are living in the end times as we look for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. But know one thing. And be very assured of that, that while the United States, while the five judges uh, on the United States Supreme Court may have given a man's ruling, they did not redefine God's definition of marriage. Jesus, matter of fact, speaking in in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4, 5, and 6, Jesus said, and and answered, said to them, have you not read? And Jesus drawing from Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, he said, have you not read? That he which made them at the beginning, this is God, made them male and female. Sexuality is God's concept. Gender is God's concept. And it's God's, it's, it's God's given. He said, and for, said, for this same cause shall a man leave father and mother, shall cleave to his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. Wherefore, there are no more two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. What God has defined and declared, no man can redefine. Now is not the time for Christians to panic as believers. I remember telling Barbie, honey, you got to pray for me. I'm trying to sort through this thing. And I went through what I said to her was a funk. I said, I'm kind of in a funk. Now, I don't know if God uses that word terminology, funk, or not. I can see God kind of scratching his head and said, I don't know what you're talking about, and why are you there in the first place? I don't think God had to call an emergency meeting last Thursday and say, oh, my goodness, they've ruled this way, and and, and, and I'm going to have to replan. I don't think that happened. So God's in charge, and God knows and, and I think God is continually working his plan. So I kind of see this as an opportunity 
Matter of fact, I do see an opportunity. One of the things that, uh, that God spoke to me while we were there in Panama, and I'm praying, trying to pray through this, I, I love the Bible story of David and Goliath. One of my favoritists. This. And, uh, and Zane and I played David and Goliath so much. I'm pretty good at Goliath. I'm, since I'm the bigger one, I'm the one that has to fall when he get hit, gets hit in the head with a rock all the time. You know? So I've got this falling down. But the thing that, one, a lot of things, but one of the things that I always love about the story of David and Goliath is when David goes out to, to face the giant, and the, giant, the giant's trash-talking him. Now, Zane's pretty good at trash-talking. I have to talk to Zach. I don't know where he gets that. But he's pretty good at trash-talking. You know? And David's trash-talking. Well, who are you? You're a boy out here. You're going to come at me with a stick like you'd whoop a dog? Well, I'll tear you apart and feed you to the birds. Well, that's kind of what the Goliath said if he'd have been from Blairsville, Georgia. And... Um, <laughs> And, and the Bible says that David, the shepherd boy, instead of backing up, remember what I said David done? He ran toward him. He ran toward him. Guys, today is not the time for the church of a living God to back up. Amen. It's not the time for Christians to look for a place to hide. It's not the time for us to look for a place to run. It's the time for us to go toward the enemy and confront him head on in the power and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. Back in, um, in 1942, history, I read Churchill, and I, I was corrected, for, I was given the direction, so I hope this is correct. I said, I never can tell the difference between Great Britain and England. It took, I grew up here, and it took me a long time to tell the difference between Ivalog and Gumlog. Okay? Some of you are saying, that's like hanging dog. I have no idea. But there's a big difference. If you live on Gumlog, you don't live on Ivalog. And if you live on Ivalog, you sure don't live on Young Cane. All right, but, but what, what happened is, is Great Britain, Churchill was there in Great Britain. And Churchill, uh, Great Britain had, was, you know, the English Channel is all it was, the buffer. And they were being bombed and they were being bombarded. And, and everyone wondered how long they could stand. And, and Churchill stands up to his people and he said, all I can promise you is blood and sweat and tears and, and, and a long struggle. But then in November of 1942... After being bombarded uh, just almost endlessly, with a, with a small victory, Churchill makes this statement. He says, now this is not the end, and it's not even the beginning of the end, but perhaps it is the end of the beginning. And I, I read that, and I thought about that, I read this, couple, this past few days, and I thought, wow, that's where we are. That's where we are. Uh, and, and, and looking at that in this battle, and I want to talk to you this morning about standing, it's time to stand. And Lord willing, I'm kind of setting the stage because uh, Lord willing, next Sunday I want to talk to you, how do you stand firm when the ground is shaking? Okay? So you just know, Lord willing, where we're going. In 1980, in the 80s, the, the, their, uh, the Marines put out a commercial, it was a television ad. And, uh, and, I, and I can still see this. And I, and I had Jackie, I said, see if you can pull that up. And Jackie pulled it up and she, she said, Pastor, maybe a little, you know. But I see this Marine with a sword. And it, and, and it says, the Marines are looking for a, you remember what it say? Few good men. Just a few good men. This past week, Family Research Council, Chase Jennings said this. He said, God's not looking for a lot of people. He's looking for a faithful people. Wow. He's looking for a faithful people. God always takes the few faithful to put to flight the multitude. Remember Gideon? 
Remember Gideon, 10,000 troops going to face the Philistines, far superior. Philistines had far, far more men than that. And God looked at Gideon and said, you got too many men. <laughs> How'd you like to lead that crowd? Say, what, God? I would have prayed that prayer again. Is this really you, God, right? God, are you really? Yeah, Gideon, you got way too many men. If you take 10,000 out there and whoop these Philistines, everybody say that it's just because you had 10,000 good, better troops. He said, I want you to let everybody that, you know, that's fearful go home. Wow, and he whittles it down. And God says, you still got too many. I boy, you know, but God's looking for the faithful. Cuts that tenth roof of 10,000 down to 300, Yeah, And then with, with a lamp, what is that, a horn and a pitcher with a, a torch under a lamp, something other breaking, and light shines out. How would you like to win the battle, those 300? But by the time it twiddled down to those 300, they had to learn to trust God and not their, not their strength. Folks, by the time the shaking is over, we're going to learn to trust God and not our own wisdom and not our own strength. Amen. So, so God's looking for this faithful, faithful people. And we faithful people have a very critical mission before us. Sharing the love of Christ and speaking the truth of Christ in love. Sharing the, 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 the truth of Christ and the love of Christ in the way we live. And speaking the truth of Christ in love. Galatians chapter 1, or chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 13 is, is where I'm drawing on my text. And I want us to look at that. Galatians chapter 5, Paul writing says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, or it, it, some translations there will have freedom. In the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, Paul is writing to the, to the Christians in Galatia. And, and these Christians, the yoke of bondage that, that has ensnared them is, has been legalism. It's been trying to keep the law. And these, these Christians have, have, have banked their righteousness on being able to keep the law, which we can't do. And the more they tried, the more entangled they got. And the, the picture that I had this morning of this is anybody remember fishing with the, when they first came out, the open face casting reels, you know? And I can remember daddy having one of them things and you, you put your, th- you know, you click it off over here, put your thumb on it. You, you, had it, you had to keep your thumb just right on the spool. If you didn't, backlash. I have seen, and that backlash I have seen, and my daddy was a, was a praying man. And I have seen him after a little prayer reach in his pocket and take out his knife and cut that line and cut it out and say, let's go home. You can get a backlash. You can't get it. You can't untangle. And, and so what was happening with these Christians, the more they tried to, to be good in their own righteousness, it, it, it enslaved them. The more, the, the more you try, it's like being in quicksand. The harder you kick, the quicker you go under, I guess. It I, seems that's the way on television anyway. So they were just tangled. God, Jesus Christ, God sending his son, Jesus Christ, uh, like a human being in, in flesh and blood, living his life without sin, dying on the cross, not because of his sins, but because of, he was willing to die for our sins. That's called grace. God in his grace set us free from trying to be good in our own strengths. We couldn't, Jesus could, he did so that we don't have to. And so Paul is saying to them, I want, you to, I want you to stand fast in this liberty that God has given us. And then verse 13 says, for brethren, you've been called to liberty, to freedom. 
Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Now, I am convinced that this, these two scriptures and, and many other of God's holy scriptures that the founding fathers of, of this nation drew upon and relied upon when they penned the words. For we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. These are God-given rights. Know that one of, I believe it's one of the founding fathers that said any freedom that man can give or that government can give, government can take away. Huh? So when you look to the government for the freedoms, they can take it away as quickly as they can extend it. But those rights and liberties which God has given to us, I loved it when Skip prayed this morning. I was about to, I was about to get excited, and, I, and it got through, he got through praying, and I said, that's good preaching, brother. That's good preaching, because when he has set us free, and so Paul was saying to them, this freedom that God has granted us with forgiveness of sin is not so that we can go live like we want to. Now, look at this. He says, don't use this liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love, Serve one another. Look at what, uh, what, what Peter Marshall said. I'm rather tired of hearing about our rights. The time has come to hear about our responsibilities. As Christian believers, we're called to stand. Stand strong. Stand boldly. Stand lovingly. Stand on truth. And truth don't change. And truth is not legislated by five men in black robes or by any other person. Truth is God's word. And I want to tell you, you need to make, we need to make a decision today that the truth that we stand on and the truth that we base our lives on, we're not going to poll it. We're not going to decide if it's majority or minority. We just know one day we're going to stand before Almighty God and give an account how we've obeyed his truth and his word. Well, as Watchman on the Wall, a couple of weeks ago, I, I talked about on a Father's Day message, and I talked about how as, as, as Christians, not only as fathers, but as Christians, that as we watch and observe it, that we, it, it, it brings us to pray, to pray for each other, to pray for our nation, to pray for the world, to pray for Christians. It brings us to proclaiming God's truth. To, it's time to stand up. I want you to go with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. I was, I was excited uh, last Sunday morning in Dallas, Texas, uh, Tony Perkins from Family Research Council preached from this same chapter of 2 Chronicles 26. And, um, and I want to share this story. And uh, in, in the next 10 minutes, you're going you're gonna to be amazed. I can preach a whole sermon in 10 minutes. I, that's, that's my goal here. I want you to look and kind of set the stage. You're going to 2 Chronicles 26. And as you're going there, let me just let me set the table for you. Israel and Judah, and they, they have this progressions of kings. Some are good, some are bad. It sounds familiar, right? Some are good, some are bad. But when we get to 2 Chronicles 26, excuse me, Uzziah is, is 16 years old. Uzziah goes, is, is, uh, he's a king. He becomes king. And he reigns in Jerusalem for 52 years. We're going to pick it up in verse 3. 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jeconiah of Jerusalem, and he did this, look at verse 4, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah did. 
And Uzziah sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. Zechariah, uh, Uzziah would go to Zechariah, and Zechariah understood God's word. He understood the timings of God. He understood the workings of God. And, and uh, Zechariah would advise Uzziah the king. And Uzziah the king then would listen to the counsel, the godly counsel and godly advice of Zechariah. And notice what it says. It says in verse 5, And as long as Uzziah sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Do you see that? Now, beginning with verse 6 down through verse 15, it kind of expounds upon God prospering Uzziah in Jerusalem, in Israel, in Judah. That that God blessed them economically and materially. Their, Their crops had, their, their fields had good crops, a good harvest. Their, their cattle uh, had good, good uh, uh, offspring. And then when you get to verse 11, it says, it talks from verse 11 through verse 15, that God not only blessed them economically, God not only blessed them materially, but God blessed them militarily. In verse 11 through verse 15, uh, Uzziah's forces had the latest technology in the military. They had, he says that they had, they had tremendous machines and weaponry. And they were, they were the, one of the most feared nations of the world. But then we get to verse 16. And look at verse 16. But when Uzziah was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Now, other translations read differently there. Who's, who's got another translation? So what does it say, Janie? But, but Uzziah, when he was strong, became prideful. We know how this works. Hey, we're, we're people, right? You remember, you remember Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Daniel, in the book of Daniel? Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, the hanging gardens of Babylon, one of the wonders, seven wonders of the ancient world. Remember this? Well, remember in, in uh, the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar was one night uh, walking out on the walls of Babylon and he looked around at the city and he said, and he said, look at all that I've done. That's how pride works, right? Uzziah was here and looked, Uzziah said, hey, 50 something years, 50 years I've been ruling. Look at, look at what's happened under my reign. Look at what's happened under my rule. And he became prideful. It's the point, sometimes we get to the point where he said, hey, I've done this. Nebuchadnezzar said, look what I've done. And remember what happened in Daniel. God said to Nebuchadnezzar, hey, big guy. I'll put you, I'll turn you out eating with the cows and the wild animals to your hair and grows like feathers and nails like claws till you get your right mind. It happened. Well, what happened to Uzziah? He says, Uzziah, when he got confident, overconfident, when he got lifted up with pride, I can handle this. I don't need this. We got a great, you know, reminds me of so many parallels in this chapter of our country. God's blessed. We were a nation. We are a nation that was founded on the principles of God's word. And now we are confronted with, a, with social progressives and we're confronted with revisionists that want to strip God's word from everything. Our founding fathers would have took a whip and beat them to death with it nearly. They would not believe that we're living in such times as this. I'll just throw this out. We were... God is God. God's Holy Spirit is really so on on target. Months ago, months ago, um, the leadership of the church 
began looking at and praying about uh, our, our bylaws and our articles of incorporation, and we wanted to be sure that we were where we needed to be with those. So months ago, the leadership started working on, on taking a look at those and revising those. And we're down to the point last Tuesday night, uh, the trustees met, and we pretty much got ready to, to bring and present to the church and let y'all get y'all more input from you. And, and we got down to this, okay, we got to be sure now under the root lot of the law that just came down from Supreme Court, how do we, how do we deal with that in our, in our bylaws and church uh, policy as far as the use of church property and all this? It's interesting. It's interesting. It's causing us, you know, and it's good, but God started that a long time ago with us before we ever knew this ruling was going to come down. So here... Uzziah is, and Uzziah is, is, God has blessed him, but rather than acknowledging that his blessings come from God and that God is the benefactor of all that, Uzziah gets prideful. And in his pride, look what he does. I'm going to have to hurry because I told you I would. In his pride, he says, for he transgressed against the Lord and he went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Now, that was a job that was regulated for the priest. So here you've got a king that has become, he feels that he is so large and in charge that he don't need the counsel and advice of those, of, of, of those religious people. So he's just going to do, he don't need them. He's going he's to step into that area also. I want to tell you something. When the Supreme Court starts trying to go against God's word, they're stepping in, in waters they have no business being in. And when the legislatures of the land start legislating against the authority of God's word, that's not their, that's not their area. That's, the, that's God's. So what happened is, is Uzziah goes into the temple. Now, I've said all this to bring us to verse 17 here. Look at this. Azariah the priest went in after him. And with Azariah was 80 priests of the Lord. And they were all valiant men. What's, uh, any other translation say anything different? Courageous. They were courageous men. Azariah and his 80 men. I wanted to preach. I wanted wanted to be that the title of my message. And God said, no, you need to make it stand. But I wanted to say, how about Azariah and his 80 men? Okay? Because they went in after the king. But they didn't go in after him for his security detail. They didn't go in after him to, to, to amen what he was saying. They went in after him to confront him. You're treading on ground that you have no business being on. And that's what they did. Look at this. It says, and they withstood Uzziah the king. And they said to him, it appertaineth not unto thee. That's King James. It appertaineth not unto thee. Other translation says what? It's not for you. It's not proper. Let's say, hey, big boy, you're, you're doing something you ain't got any business doing. You all right? You're, 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 you're not got any business doing there. To burn incense to the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron. They're consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary because you've transgressed. You've, wrong, you've, you've, you've sinned. You're wrong. I wonder how that went over with the king. I want to tell you, you know what? There comes a time when you stand in the truth. You stand on the truth. You stand on the truth. If, if, if your convictions whiffle and waffle, the convictions whiffle and waffle. You need to find something that don't change, folks. And God's word is settled in heaven. You can base your life on it, and you don't have to worry about if you're going if it's going to be and popular with the people or not. Because most of the time it's not. 
You know why? But I want, I'd much rather be pleasing to my heavenly father than popular with every other person in this world. Hadn't you? Huh? Really, listen to me. Hadn't you rather be pleasing to our father? Well, wonder how Uzziah handled this. Verse 19. It says, then Uzziah was wroth, was wroth. That's a King James word again. What's that another translation say? Furious. Mad. Angry. I used to tell Barbie, I'm, I get mad. She said, no dogs get mad. You just you go mad. You're just angry. Yeah. You're just angry. He was, Uzziah was furious. Now this was a king. This was a guy at the, at the click of his fingers. He could have dispatched every one of those priests. He could have took their heads off. He could have called the troops in and said, wipe them out. Do away with them. But a time had come to confront the leadership. A time had come to confront the king. King, you're wrong. You're out of line. Your pride has got you going places you don't need to go. You're wrong. And the king was furious. He didn't need them. But look what happened. Look what happened. The minute, and they told him, get out of the house. Get out of the house. God's, not, God's going to deal with this. And then Uzziah was, was wroth. And it says that leprosy rose up in his forehead in front of the priest. And that leprosy, it says, and Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him. And behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they thrust him out from thence. Himself hasted also to go out because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper until the day of his death. Trust me, I would love to say, to, to, for us to spend just a little more, more time here, but, I'm, but I, I told you I wouldn't. But let me just throw a word out here. <laughs> Before you say, thank the Lord I wasn't one of them priests. Azariah and his 80, courageous men. Courageous men. Uh, let me call your attention to a verse in 1 Peter Chapter 2, verse 9. First Peter 2, 9 says, But you, Christian brother, Christian sister, Christian teenager, Christian young person, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you. Out of darkness. Who is the one who called us? That's Jesus who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let me tell you something. I was a priest before the Lord long before I ever was a pastor at the house of prayer. And my priesthood don't depend upon my pastorhood. And if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're called to be a priest in the kingdom of God. And as a priest, we're called to be people of courage. We're called to be people with valiant men that will stand with those when it's time to stand, we'll stand and we'll confront that which needs to be confronted. Let me, let me just close. I, I, I was telling Jackie, I asked Jackie this week, I said, see if you can find me that about Peter Marshall where he says something about chaos and Christianity. And, um, and Jackie comes in and she said, I, was, I got to reading this and it's hard for me to stop. Uh, that's Peter Marshall. I, I love this. And let me just kind of close by going to Peter Marshall again here. This was uh, on July 3rd, 1947. It's the day before the 4th. And this is, uh, uh, this is a prayer that he prayed before the Senate that day, July 3rd. God of our fathers, whose almighty hand has made and preserved our nation. Grant that our people may understand what it is they celebrate. 
May they remember how bitterly our freedom was won, the down payment that was made for it, the installments that have been made since this republic was born, and the price that must be paid for our liberty. May freedom be seen not as the right to do as we please, but as the opportunity to please to do what is right. May it be ever understood that our liberty is under God and can be found nowhere else. May our faith be something. I love these prayers like this. Boy, he's he's pouring it on. May our faith be something that is not merely stamped upon our coins, but expressed in our lives. Let us as a nation be not afraid of standing alone for the rights of men since we were born that way as the only nation on earth that came into being for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. Barbie and I stood in the, in the halls of the capital of this nation and we read uh, David Barton leading a tour that we were on and we read these words. That was a reason this nation came to be. That was the purpose that these men and women who founded this nation founded upon. For the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith. Because it's only in Jesus Christ that we have the freedom and the liberty that we enjoy. Let me finish this prayer. I could, I'll, I'll, I'll get to stumping. I don't need to do that. Listen to the conclusion of his prayer. We know that we shall be true to the pilgrim dream when we are true to the God they worshiped. To the extent that America honors thee, wilt thou bless America and keep her true as thou hast kept her free and make her good as thou hast made her rich. Amen. One other, and you can blame this one on Jackie. Because she threw this one in there. I, I love this. And I hadn't, ever, I hadn't heard this one before at all. And I don't, I don't know the context of this, but Peter Marshall stated one time, he said, the world has enough women who are popular. It needs more who are pure. We need women and men too who would rather be morally right than socially correct. Wow. 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 Yeah, it's time to stand. Stand with me. Amen. I'm gonna I'm gonna pray uh, pray a prayer. Thank you. I'm gonna pray a prayer that God give us wisdom as the men of Issachar. Understand the times, what we need to be doing, that we would and, and times that we live in the days of opportunity drive us to His Word. Because in his word, we get instruction. In his word, we get stability. His word doesn't change. We get, we get a, a, a roadmap and we get light into what we're supposed to be doing. But let me also say this. It's very possible that, that this morning in a large group of people here, that you're here and uh, listen, you can be patriotic and not be saved. Skip said it well. We can, we can be blessed as Americans, enjoy the freedoms still, the freedoms that we enjoy but still be entangled, as Paul said to the Galatians, because we've never accepted that grace gift of forgiveness. It would be one of the saddest things in the world, in my opinion, to have all the liberties that we enjoy as Americans and fail to take advantage of the gift of God that he provided through his son, Jesus Christ. So after I pray a prayer for us, I want to... Pray a prayer that if there's those here this morning that's never been saved, you never trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Listen, you're involved in this. You're, you're alive now. 
And you can't, somebody said any old, fish, any old dead fish can float downstream. That's true. And if you, if you aren't in Christ, trust me, the currents are strong to carry you downstream. It's going to take a, a life and strength to go against the current of the culture in which we live. And you can do it in Jesus Christ. And so I'm inviting you, if you're here this morning and you've never been saved, I'm inviting you, join up. Receive the gift of forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Experience his forgiveness and grace. And share that. Live that out with people all around you. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I want to thank you for this day and for this time that we've had together. Lord, I want to thank you for this tremendous example of of Azariah and his 80 courageous men, priests of God, that that would dare to go into the temple to confront the king when the king is out of line. Father, it's not something I'm sure that they woke up one morning and said, boy, I can't wait to confront the king. But Lord, it's, it's something that because of their stand on truth, they weren't willing to compromise. Lord, today, you have your priests, your ambassadors, and you've called us for such a time as this that we too would stand. So Father, this morning, I pray that, that you give us ears to hear what you're saying to us, that you give us hearts to understand Lord, your word, and to hear the Spirit of God as he leads and guides and directs. And Lord, I pray that in everything, your love would flood us so that that as we stand, it would be a loving stand. It would be a stand of truth and loving truth because it's only in truth that we have freedom. Oh, Father, I pray this morning for those who are entangled in bondage of sin Lord, not only the sin of homosexuality, but the sin of adultery, the sin of addiction, the sin of lying, the sin of stealing, the sin of, uh, Lord, then there's so many. It's not for me. I don't need to be the Holy Spirit. But Lord, we can get so entangled of sin. We can get such a critical spirit in our heart of those who are blatantly sinning. Then, Lord, we're just as guilty. Lord, help us, Lord, that we would be able to, to shuck off all that pride and it would just say, hey, except by the grace of God, that's me. And Lord, that we would love, let you love through us to our homosexual neighbors. Lord, that you'd help us love through us to those who are hurting and, 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 and live so different than we do. Lord, that you would love through us to those who are abrasive and cruel and, and coarse. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be able to let them see Jesus. Help us, Lord, to stand. And Father, help us to stand firm when all around us is sinking sand. I pray this. Now, Father, it's my prayer that for those here this morning, man or woman, boy or girl, that's never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. But, Lord, this morning as they've they've looked at this and they understand the times in which we live and they understand that we we can't just be socially and politically correct because if we are, then our lives are forever changing and we don't know what's truth because what's truth today and to the world tomorrow may be changed. And Lord, they're confused. And Lord, they're, they're confused because it's chaos. And I'm reminded of the words of Peter Marshall. Let us choose either Christ or chaos. And this morning, your Holy Spirit may be speaking to those hearts and saying, it's time for you to trust me. And Lord, you have a plan for their lives. You have a plan for our lives. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I'm going to ask you that you do this very simply. You just come to him and say, 
Christ, I believe you died for me on Calvary. Forgive me of my sins and let your Holy Spirit come into my heart to live through me. And he'll teach you the rest. He'll teach you the rest. He'll walk you through it. He'll grow you in it. Would you do that right now? It's a humbling, it's a submission and submitting to him right now where you stand in your own heart. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Let your truth grow me and teach me as I follow you. Amen. With their heads bowed and their eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, asking Christ to come into your life, I want to pray a prayer especially for you. But the first thing you need to do is acknowledge that. You need to be willing. Man, if you can't acknowledge him by raising your hand with a church full of Christians with their heads bowed, you'll never make it in a world that's ready to crucify you. <laughs> but if you prayed that prayer, and you say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer this morning. Pray for me. Put your hand up and let me pray for you. And you put it up and let me see it. You can put it right back down. I see the hands. Other hands you need to see. I see the hands. I see the hands. Praise the Lord. I see that. God thank you Lord for your, what you're doing I see those hands Father in your name in your name grow us strengthen us make us strong for the battle as these as these new believers in Christ Lord committed everything and all to you Lord men and women valiant men and women of courage and of backbone and of character that are standing and taking a stand today and going to stand strong and Lord may we who have walked with you maybe for a day or two longer or a few years longer Lord may we welcome them with open arms as reinforcements in your troops in Christ I pray amen and amen